0: Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and Movement. Today's gorgeous conversation is with my dear friend Jaya and her partner Ian Ferguson. Jaya and I have been friends for several years now. We've recorded in Boulder, Colorado. We've recorded in Topanga, California. And this conversation was recorded in Santa Monica, California, my last trip out there. This conversation is fantastic. Jaya is a sexologist. She is an expert in all things sexuality. And this conversation, we get into her most recent Netflix documentary, Sex love and goop. This was a wildly vulnerable conversation, highly intimate and highly educational. I think sex is one of those topics that is an elephant in most rooms, but people are kind of squeamish or uncomfortable or ashamed to discuss. And that's why I really love having Jaya back on the podcast and just getting to spend time with her in general and get to see what she's been up to and what kind of wild, freaky things are going on in the world and her life and how we can start to bestow some of the wisdom of her mind into uh, us in the live podcast. I want to thank y'all for leaving reviews on iTunes. Per mention last week, we're going to be giving away prizes to people for leaving reviews. Uh, I'm going to read a review from Chelsmo. Chelsmo says, Thank you for blessing my existence with this podcast. Thank you very much for that reach out to us on Instagram at align podcast and we will link you up with some sweet prizes from our sponsors. If you want to leave a review on iTunes or Apple podcasts, I think it was what it's called actually jump on your phone. Now and just scroll down to leave a five star review if you think it deserves it and then leave a little written thing. It could be as little as sweet work. Love the pod. Take 25 seconds of your time. And it's a great way to support this podcast and there's an opportunity to win some prizes. Alright, that's it That's all. Thank you so much for tuning in Thank you for the reviews on Apple Podcasts and let's get to it with the beautiful Jaya and her studly partner Ian Ferguson wow. You guys have a Netflix series
1: we do you Sex, made it love and goop Sex, <laughs> love and goop we're in it we're we, in we it. didn't make it but the people who made it are brilliant amazing oh humans. my god
2: the production company we worked with was phenomenal great really phenomenal they just like
1: let me do my thing and it was documentary style and they didn't interrupt and they watched the magic happen and they held the container beautifully
2: and then they edited it really well too yeah
0: One of the things that is in the trailer for the series, I haven't gotten to watch the series yet, but I'm very excited to watch the series, was a woman saying something along the lines of she just wants to feel beautiful. Was that that what she said? Yeah. I think that's such an interesting journey in our lives to come to the place of feeling lovable or feeling worthy of love or feeling beautiful. You know, it's like, I feel like oftentimes it's like so easy to project that out to other people, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, you're so
2: amazing. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, but when, you know, but then
2: we've got a voice in our head that's going, and you're not, you're not in some way the way we talk to ourselves in our heads is.
0: And it seems like sensuality or sexuality or that category, it's a really beautiful medium to come into a place of you know, it's like worshiping each other like are we worthy of worshiping each other mm-hmm. you know, am i worthy of being worshipped well are we willing to worship ourselves
1: free from another partner like so much of the people come into the work that we do looking to figure out how to work with their partner be with their partner but what they're missing is that it's that self-love first mm-hmm.
2: and that sex is a relationship with you and our front door has a big red door. It's like it says sex on it. But behind that door really is a deeper awakening to who are you really? And what is this thing of unconditional love for you from you? Because hmm. once you have that, then everybody in the room gets
0: it. How has your guys' journey been with that? Where did you start? Where are you now? What have the, the, the bumps in the road been like? One of the big
1: things that happened for me, which opened the potential for our relationship, was... Getting out of this thing of needing to be loved by somebody else and finally looking to relationship and, and being willing to really see the other person in front of me, no matter what they had to share. So their truth, what's your truth? I think we go into so many people go into relationship with these projections of, I need you to
2: love me. And I'm going to twist myself into a pretzel in a thousand million ways in order to to be be loved, be lovable. And I I think that was a big piece for you as you were in previous relationships, twisting yourself. Yeah. And then in our relationship, there became a point when you started that because I was in a place where I was not being very loving at times. Right. And so we kind of hit a place where all of our attachment shit came up. I don't know if many people here know about the attachment Attachment, theory and have to talk about it. So in attachment theory, there's, secure attachment which is you have a secure relationship and you feel good and safe in that relationship so you have a sense of safety in it when you're avoidant you feel something up and then you run you know i'm, I'm a runner i'm like i'm done i'm out of here fuck off you know? <laughs> and that would be my behavior with ian and then there's the, the anxious. anxious and the anxious is someone who is cha- the more the chaser and so, when... when something
1: goes wrong, they want to get to resolution. So they move in and they try and get to the resolution because the distance brings up the fear. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose mm-hmm. love, and that is at the root of the avoidant. avoidant. Uh-huh. It's at the root of the avoidant, and in some ways. Stronger in the avoidant, but their strategy to deal with it is to run, yeah. to end
2: it. And then there's the person who's disorganized. So, oftentimes, this is someone who's experienced some childhood developmental trauma or something like that. And so, they're they kind of all over the place. They can be anxious one moment and they can be avoidant the next moment. And so, I tend to be lean, more avoidant, but then became very disorganized. And in that, Ian became very anxious. And so, that journey, when I saw you last in 2018, we were actually in such a place of that. Dynamic of the anxious chasing and me going fuck off. I'm out of here so much that finally I was just like fuck off. I'm really out of here. And uh, we hit that point in our relationship where it was like, all right, we're we're done. We were done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was rough because I didn't. But I was also at that same time on the floor crying. Like, who am I? What is truth? Like, I was in this deep in 2017. I'd hit all my boxes like i checked all my goals like here i was i'm a successful sexologist i have all these books i've written i'm a best-selling author i'm an award-winning sexologist i have the house and the kid and the life and the amazing partner and i went into dr daniel amon's clinic and had my brain scanned because i was like what the fuck? i don't feel fulfilled i have everything that everybody says i should ever have in success and i feel Like, crap, I feel depressed. And that's when I got diagnosed with CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And when they looked at my brain, it it was a traumatized brain. And then it was this journey of like, well, what's true and who am I? And it was like the dark night of the soul people talk about. And I'm on the floor just like, what is going on crying? The other other
1: piece with the CPTSD (laughs) is that the diagnosis is that it's incurable. You can't do anything well, about it. Well,
2: mine was, not everybody, but mine was a treatment resistant form of CPTSD. Like you're just going to have to, and I'd manage this. You know, I knew I had trauma in my history, but I'd manage this most of my life with EMDR and somatic experiencing and some of the things that we do to manage trauma. But it seemed like it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Hmm. And that's where we were when I, <laughs> I saw you. What did,
0: what did worse actually What did it look like? Yeah. What did that look like, feel like?
2: Yeah. I mean, so it was these, these pieces with Ian of, he'd come to me wanting resolution of some conflict and I would just be like, I'm done. I'm out of here. And I'd run away. Another piece to that. I mean, we're getting really vulnerable here. We are getting really vulnerable. (laughs) Let's just go for it, man.
1: (laughs) But another piece of that was because of the trauma background any actions I was taking at that time looked like abuse, Looked like abuse, like me just raising my voice or me moving into your space to try and get that resolution.
2: Right. So Bessel van der Kolk in his book, The Body Keeps the Score. Have you read that one?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, great fan. book. I cited it in mine a bunch of times. He's like one of my favorite people.
2: Yeah. So yeah. chapter seven, what really struck me, I, I started reading this book and chapter seven, there was a picture of kids and their dad fixing a car. And he talks about how you see the world when you have a traumatized brain, the way that you see the world, those kids would see the car's gonna fall on the dad, the the, the little kid handing is the tool to her, her father who's going
1: to beat his head in. and
2: <laughs> Right. So they see trauma. And that was the way that I saw the world at that time was trauma. And Ian, the person who loved me the most, was now the person trying to abuse me. So if he raised his voice, I had nightmares. Just every night it was like, I'm dying. I would have the nightmare where just horrific deaths. Like one that really sticks out to me. Anybody who has trauma, trigger warning coming. And... I had this one dream where I was being drowned in a toilet, like my head, like those kind, like really just horrific. And I would die. I'd actually die and then wake up and like, (gasps) like panic. So there was the nightmares. There was the skin picking. And these are common CPTSD things. You know, you pick at your skin, you, you have nightmares, you walk through the world because your, your system is stuck in the traumatic event and has not gotten out, but I didn't know all that at that time. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm just yelling at my partner saying, fuck off. I'm out (laughs) of here. And you're an abuser and because you raised your voice at me, you know, because my filter was so off.
0: You're probably familiar with Peter Levine as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. With yeah. yeah, somatic experiencing. Yeah, in his book, Awakening the Tiger, mm-hmm. he gets into this, and there's other other people that have gotten to this as well, but how we'll continue to seek out traumatic scenarios as an opportunity to essentially, like, heal the initial wound. And yeah,
2: so, yeah, uh, and, and so to Stan Groff talks about that too, like sure. the coax system, how your system is trying to heal it so it keeps recreating The situation over and over again.
0: Yeah. And so it's interesting. I imagine being in that scenario where it does feel like you're under attack or, you know, there's holding a wrench up to offer you the opportunity to, you know, fix your car or whatever it is. And you think you're being hit to be able to have the clarity to actually see what's true, what's, you know, objectively happening right now and what's not. It's a really interesting slippery navigation to really know what the hell's going on. It's here. prismatic. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. what's what's my what's my trauma and my wounding? What's subjective reality mm-hmm. or objective reality? It's hard to parse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, how have you guys parsed that out? Have, you, have you, did you? Were you able to come to a place of witnessing yourself, Jaya and saying, Okay, this is this is me? Is this like, how do you how do you do? How do you start to, to gain the reflection of yourself in those moments?
2: Well, I think a big piece for me was I had a lot of coping mechanisms, but I was never actually healing the core of what was going on or getting, I think the core of what was going on does have to do with that initial question you asked us, which is like, what's that journey to self-love look like? What does that journey of healing look like so that we can have this securely attached relationship? And, you know, I had all the tools. I did meditation. I did all the biohacking things. Like I had all those things, but they were just helping me cope. So it wasn't until, you know, it's a little experimental, a little still taboo, I think to talk about, but I was at a event for sexuality and someone there said I had CPTSD and I cured it. And I was like, well, how in the world did you cure CPTSD? And she's like, yeah, I no longer qualify as someone who has CPTSD. And then she told me about MAPS and uh, MDMA therapy. And so I was like, and at this time I was a complete purist. And, you know, war on drugs, 1980s. I got the image, you know, of like the eggs frying in the pan. And your brain on drugs, you know, yeah. All that stuff like that was deeply ingrained in my system. And I mean, like, I didn't even eat sugar like that to me was like a drug too. So I, all the food control stuff was another, that's a whole other thing. I really disordered eating around it because I was such a purist.
0: Sounds like seeking control. yes (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> in a big way. And when you when you grow up in a chaotic environment, that's, that's all you can do is try and do. control.
2: Yeah. I would control external food as a yeah, yeah, as a way to to feel in control and my bowels. Mm-hmm. That was another real big one. Talk mm-hmm. about getting vulnerable very talk my bowels now.
0: <laughs> what were you doing with your bowels? <laughs>
2: Okay. How control are we really going to go there? Ba-
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, These are the things that are happening in people's lives. We're not, we don't feel like it's like socially pleasant or acceptable to you know, talk about, to share. Yeah. And everybody's and just, walking and around just hiding in their and silos. And yeah. all that. And even if it doesn't necessarily resonate with someone specifically with like controlling their bowels or whatever, like we all have our shit. Yep. You know, and so to, I think that you know, to be the first person to take the mask off suddenly it's it a gives little permission. Awkward, uncomfortable at first but then it gives permission for the next person mm-hmm.
2: yep yeah. absolutely well this is very interesting i don't know if i've ever talked about this publicly boy he's, he's like the master interviewer i know, I you know. Um, <laughs> um so when i was little i would hold so that like it was a way of the only thing that i could feel could control like ian said because so many things were so chaotic was to hold my bowels so i wouldn't go to the bathroom sometimes for six months What? Yeah. It's amazing that I'm alive. (laughs) Amazing that I was was impacted all the way up to my breast. Oh, God. From not going to the bathroom. I've never heard of anything. Yeah. They would have to do, like, I had to have, like, surgery stuff, like some kind of minor surgery thing to, like, get me unimpacted. And I would do this over and over.
0: Is it, like, a syndrome or something? Do they have put a name on this?
2: No, it's just trauma. It was a way for me to cope with. The trauma and so wow. so i wouldn't go to the bathroom and then i did this all the way up when i went to college i wouldn't go to the bathroom <laughs> at the dorm so i would wait until christmas break when i went home
0: <laughs> to go to the bathroom <laughs> like it's, it was... i don't even know how that's how that's and possible. i even exactly. when i met
2: ian when i met you it was still like i was just like oh maybe it's just me maybe you know maybe i just go to the bathroom once every two months
0: <laughs> why do you do you think there was something like there was something wrong about defecation it's like not beautiful it's not or do you just you wanted to be able to control something because you felt out of control
2: it literally was the trauma but i didn't know it it wasn't conscious right it wasn't conscious but it became a habit from being very young
1: there are other layers to it as well because you had that going on but then they would use what were the drugs they would give you
2: codeine Codeine, and Vicodin
1: which affects your ability to 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 Vicodin was
2: affecting peristalsis. peristalsis
1: in the digestive tract how did that go
2: how did I turn that around yeah colonics was the beginning I mean that was the beginning I here in LA I found somebody amazing who did these epic colonics and that was the beginning of me starting to heal my gut and starting to shift that in my body so that was the first start and then psychedelic medicine the big shift that was the big shift big shift. I no longer have any problem whatsoever
1: nightmares so, have gone away no issues yeah. with bowel.
2: I mean it was like a miracle in my life and I and I you know psychedelics aren't for everybody but for me it helped me get to this deep parts of the trauma that I couldn't it, Stan Groff talks about experiencing the unexperienced it helped me to experience what was really going on and in the end how to love myself. I'll never forget the practice my first session, the practitioner looking at me and going like, come, like, let me hold you. And I looked at him like, what? And he's like, it's okay. And I was like, it's okay to have comfort. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna cry. And I was like, love, it's okay to be loved. It's not my fault that I had this experience. It wasn't me. It wasn't my responsibility to stop my parents from fighting. Like all these things that started coming up. And that was like the breaking moment of like, it's okay to be loved. It's okay to have comfort, to have another human comfort me. And that was when the avoidant part went away. And the first thing out of that session I said was, I miss Ian. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I realized that I really, we really do have unconditional love for each other. And that was a big, big turning
1: piece. Yeah, at the root of it all. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The scales fell
2: off so i can poop now <laughs>
0: do you see that in like culture and in society in general like what what you experience with yourself of like a would it be like a fear of being loved like or how would you describe it yeah
2: for me it wasn't a fear of being loved it was a i thought some piece of me thought that love was an addiction were wrong or
1: there's a piece of you that thought you were the monster there's
2: yeah i mean that, that was, was the one who ca-
1: was causing the reason for all of that trauma and right. disorganization right. i mean that's up. all
2: you can do as a kid is think i must be a monster so the story though. i'd made up was i caused it and i am a monster who that's the only way i could make up why the things happened to me that happened to me was i must be inherently rotten somewhere
0: and so that what do you think it is about uh, mdma could you guide me slash us into that experience?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'd never done anything like that before, so I was terrified going in. And I remember as it was coming on, like going, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. Uh, You know, that feeling of losing, like not, it wasn't losing control, it was just like that feeling of like, there's something going to happen here.
0: A parasite doesn't want to leave the host. No, Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) exactly, exactly and then there was this overwhelming feeling of love for ian and i started crying and then it just was like skyrocket i mean it was just like going through all these things and some people talk say that you know People don't talk or they drop in like I needed to verbally process everything. So it was just like I talked for I remember the practitioner looking at me. I was like, my throat hurts. He's like, yeah, you've been talking for 10 hours. straight." <laughs> I was like, blah, 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 like everything that was happening in my head and every, all of the memories that were coming up, sometimes it was archetypal. So I was going into these deep archetypal places. I was talking to people like who were there, who I needed to say, like, stop that. No more. Like I was getting all this agency of using my voice. And then I remember at the end trying to sing because I had a vocal cord injury when I was an opera when I was a musical theater major. I was really wanted to heal my voice, so that, that's also been part of the journey with the medicine as well as starting to sing again after this injury. So that was a funny piece because I was like croak, croak, <laughs> 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 trying trying to do that. But you know that would that maybe next session. I did so much in that session, and the practitioner kept saying you can rest now. I was like, no, I'm here to work. And it was like 15 hours of this. And s- some people only last like four or six hours. But for me, it was just like, actually, my actually, system was just ready. It was, was like five ready. Days for you. It wasn't It even... was. It was true. It, I came home and I was still like in the bathtub, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. We had some great sex after that too. We did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the most unified. Youth, like, it was amazing. <laughs> it was really
0: amazing. Was amazing. Because <laughs> we'd
2: also, we'd just broken up. So we had that like energy of like coming back together and. Is beautiful.
0: How did that experience or shift for you inform working with clients? Goodness. I
2: feel like it changed everything. Yeah. You know, it went from "Let me teach you a sex technique" to "Let's see who you really are." Mm-hmm. And I remember it was just a few months later I was working with somebody and they had a full-on like awakening to the truth of who they are on the table. And I was just like, "What with is that, going with on?" With no medicine. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it wasn't was, a medicine session. It was just all of a sudden I was like able to hold in a different way because. I love myself. It's that thing of like, I loved me. I'm solid in me. Like, I know who I am now. I'm me. And this is it. And here we are. Like, presence and love. And then when you can hold somebody in that space, fuck. It's
1: like... Like a gravitational core. Like, they can gravitate towards your resonance with that self-love. And then it gives them the permission, like we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. I now have permission to love myself.
2: One of the... This was later in my journey was... And this is, I would say this is the major pivotal, that first session, PTSD, done. I have not had a symptom of it. How long ago was that? That was three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. But there was a session where I had a huge realization, both Ian and I, and I repeated this phrase over and over again. And I did this body motion. No matter what we do, they won't wake up. No matter what I do, they won't wake up. I answer the fucking question, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I just kept doing this for like four hours. Was it four hours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That right there shifted everything. (laughs) Some people call it a complete mystical experience. I'm sure you've heard of this. And so that moment of realization, kind of seeing like the cosmic game of it all, right? The like, I am pretending these dualities and all this stuff, I can't put it into words.
0: I want to take a quick moment and discuss the value of magnesium in our sleep and muscular recovery. Magnesium is one of the only supplements that I will actually purchase with my own money because I really value the stuff. Oftentimes the supplements, I think we can kind of take them or leave them. Uh, Magnesium is one of those ones that is deficient in modern day soil for the most part and widely deficient in most people's nutritional profiles. People are not getting enough magnesium in their lives. So what we did is we teamed up with BioOptimizers Mag Breakthrough. It is hands down my favorite magnesium supplement because it contains all seven different forms of magnesium. It is well sourced. I trust the owner of the company. I know them personally and I just really love the stuff from BioOptimizers. If you guys want to get yourself a sweet discount, you can go over to magbreakthrough.com slash Align podcast. That's M-A-G B R E A K T H R O U G H dot com Slash Align Podcast. If this stuff does not make you sleep better, it is not helpful with restoring fatigued muscles, then get your money back. There is a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you got absolutely nothing to lose. And you get a discount on this stuff. It is per mention my favorite magnesium on the market, and I can't recommend it enough. So jump over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast for a discount and I'm looking forward to hearing y'all's experience. I want to take a moment and thank Element for supporting my hydration and also supporting this podcast. Element is an easy-to-use packet of electrolytes, so it is a perfect balance of sodium, magnesium, and potassium that I will put into my water bottles before I work out, after I work out. I utilize one of these packets at least every single day. The flavor is absolutely amazing, and it is the raw materials that you need to produce energy for your working out. So I can't recommend this stuff enough and you can try it absolutely free by going over to drinklmnt.com slash aligned to get yourself a free sample pack. You just pay $5 for shipping. I'll send you out a sample pack. You can check it out. I would guarantee you're going to dig it. And then if you do choose to buy it, they also have a 30 day money back guarantee. So jump over to drinklmnt.com slash aligned. Pretending is really important, like having the what was the the old mask they'd use in Greco Roman Roman times? It would be like a, a cone and it was your person I think they were called persona. Uh-huh. Is that right? I heard this this is a bit from Alan Watts talking about that. I'm pretty sure persona, the original term for that, it might be another word, but I'm pretty sure it's persona, was the masks that they would use. And it would be like a conical thing to project Mm-hmm. Out into the audience, but mm-hmm. the persona literally was the mask. Right, mm-hmm. and so I think in you know new age metaphysical type conversations, we can sometimes like abandon the persona. You mm-hmm. know, and like oh, it's bad. And, like mm-hmm. romanticize, not at like, all. Ethereal. The persona everything. is a but gift. It's a beautiful thing. It
2: is a gift. Yeah. Yeah but it's
0: gaining relationship with the mask as opposed to the mask possessing which yeah and I think yeah it yeah like the jim carrey you know well, the mask movie i'm pretty sure that's what it's about uh, yeah yeah yeah
1: so like and the the thing for masks once getting to this place of this freedom space of i am i am consciousness i am free from all definition there is no such thing as an ego so people trying to kill their ego is a joke like it doesn't exist it's yeah. a it's a construct the thing about being able to be moving from that free space the mask becomes something that you get to pull on the appropriate one at the time that you need right. it yeah, a as, a, as opposed to i'm fixed in my identity and i have to have this mask to make my way through the world now there's the freedom of oh i can be the intense human i can be the soft feminine i can i can adapt and be fully empowered because we before you started recording we we're talking about the the trickster right <laughs> oh, the, coyote. Yeah, the coyote the coyote yeah. right so that's the ability to, to shift the mask to be able to work with anything that is arising Mm -hmm. as opposed to coming from a fixed identity, which then creates the gripping and the holding and this core identity, which is not flexible. Mm
2: -hmm. You asked the question about how it changed my work. That was why I was telling the story of no matter what I do, they won't wake up. I learned in that, that it's about being with someone not doing
1: Hmm.
2: anything. And if I could just be who I am with them being (laughs) that would shift everything. And so that was the major change is i'm just going to be me with you
0: Hmm. that's charles bukowski has a quote paraphrase not exactly what he says but he says essentially refers to a free soul as being something like it doesn't look like a specific thing but when you're around a free soul it invokes this feeling this like magnetism this comfort it's just Mm. like Mm -hmm. you know and so when you come across a free soul that's kind of what perfuses the room Mm -hmm. and it's not because that free soul did a thing, or they wore the right kind of pants, or, is anything or they special. drove the right kind of car, or whatever it is. They just, you know, they come into the room and like everybody's kind of like, "Oh, we can all access that." We are, we are all that. We are all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more unnecessary. I'm being excessively quipaceous. I apologize, but Ramdas. Love Ramdas. <laughs> I love Ramdas. <laughs> Who said who you think you are is vulnerable and who you are is invulnerable? Mm. So who you are is is that that free soul? Mm-hmm. That's who you've been all along. All along, yeah. yeah. And then what, whatever the the function, you know, of who you think you are, at some point, this belief system of who you think you are was you know imposed on you for you know whatever reason. Right. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about good sex in that. And so that's where I think it's really interesting with the masks and sex as a medium to come into deeper truth with yourself for healing you know, you literally, you know, say like Dom, you know, Who, who's the Dom and who's the sub and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever kind of costume or mask, or I'm a police officer, or, I'm, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you're into, you know. It's like you you literally have this interesting opportunity. and It doesn't need to be overt, you know, wearing a mask while you're, you know, hooking up with somebody, but there's this opportunity to, you know, exchange roles within that and kind of play with different masks and releasing the shame of transitioning
1: well, Jaya came up with a whole thing called power erotic persona work, which is exactly that. It's finding those places that are buried, hidden, shamed that you hid away and reclaiming, reclaiming them. them, like owning them once again, not through pretending, but finding that true core inside yourself so that you can actually adopt it and become it, live mm-hmm. it, and then gain more freedom with it.
2: Yeah. So if you have shame around sex, what's the persona that doesn't have shame? And then being a choice to put on that persona. Mm. And how would that persona play? How would that persona move? How does that persona make love? You know, I have a persona that Ian likes to have sex more in the earlier part of the day. And I like to have sex at night. And I was like, I don't like sex during the morning. Blah, blah. Like I was telling myself a story. And then I put on a persona who, you know, if you you schmooze her enough you give her enough With gold right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she'll have sex any time of the day mm-hmm. and her name is Lulinara, so mm. ian would just uh, you know and she's she's also not from this time so like she also has an archetypal piece of like the gold digger archetype but she's very much of a queen who just likes to be lavished in gold so if you give her enough gold she will do whatever you want, mm-hmm. but you got a lot terms. of gold, a lot of gold. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have sex in the morning, and then I liked it, and you know. So like Jaya's in there going, "Wait a minute!" Like I have this whole story that I don't like sex in the morning, but Lenora has sex in the morning, but it's still Jaya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you
0: know? So I feel like funny. it's an interesting thing. Like the in in theory that's sounds lovely to be able to just take on a role of confidence you know or like i'm just going to play the role of the free soul mm-hmm. thanks mm-hmm. bukowski mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> but in the actualizing that and being able to, to step into this role i feel like that's you know it's a it's a you know it's a whole nother level
1: mm-hmm. mm, there's a process i mean this particular thing has a whole process of being able to adopt those things as authentic it's not the You know, police officer, I'm a police officer. It's it's what is the energy of police officer? How do they walk? How do they breathe? I had one of my big revelations, and it was only like three or four years ago. We have this, the whole thing of your blueprint types and you have different percentages. And my sexual... It was one of the blueprint types, was either a zero or 7%.
2: And of course, mine's the highest. <laughs> I'm highest in sexual.
1: And I didn't know, okay, well, why is this? Like kinky's really high for me, sensual's really high and for me. And of course,
2: kinky's lowest for me.
1: Yeah, so we had, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but what I realized a few years ago was I had this whole story that I of the good boy. Like projecting my sexuality and my desire onto somebody that I'm turned on by is a bad thing. So I internalized this in myself, and one of my personas was a character named Sly, and he is not, he's like a 1940s complete objectifier, like if you took him out in modern day society at the bar, he would be getting in big, big, big trouble. (laughs) But I was able to start to work with him to release this whole sexual shame thing and own the objectifier, own the part of me that would just go in and claim the thing that I want sexually. and. That completely affected my dynamics within our blueprint Do you profile. remember when
2: you were first putting on slide, and we were in that hotel in Hawaii and you just like walked out naked and you were like just strutting? Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> who's this guy? You know, because of course I'm wanting that from him in our relationship is more of that like sexual who right. just like owns his cock and, and then you proclaimed it. Through. Yeah. And
1: realizing that there was this buried thing that I didn't even realize was there that was sexual shame. Like, just shame of my own desire, my own craving. Or as
2: a person with a cock, like, I'm going to get an erection randomly. Mm. remember we were talking about that, too. Like, oh, God, like hiding that you're the the random
1: erections which maybe you experienced when you were in middle school and like you get still still
0: (laughs) (laughs) good for you good for you
1: (laughs) but you you know you take the school books and hide your erection as you walk out of the class in between periods and you're just like that was that was another indoctrination this is not okay i can't expose this
2: and so with the persona work it's not just about the persona you want to take on it's about what's the persona also that's in the way like Mm. And they talk about an IFS, Internal Family Systems, parts work, which I didn't even know at the time what that was. I've only recently learned about it. But it's like, what are these parts of ourselves that we've disowned? And what's the part of ourselves that came in to protect us? Or what? usually it's something about keeping us safe or keeping us protected. And so it's these protector parts that keep us from fully diving into and sometimes we need those protector parts you know they played a role they played a role and they like for me with the trauma i was like i had a part called dragon lady which was the part that was like i'm done and i hate you and like that whole rage monster that would come out but she was just protecting me and and it's like good job like you did good part that's protecting me you helped me survive all of that and now
1: you're not needed
2: and now we can chill out.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> chill the fuck out and let this other part come up.
0: Have you guys studied it all or been exposed to uh, gestalt therapy? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, Where mm-hmm. You're like putting, you know, whatever. We put person
1: your, in the chair, yeah, and into a
0: pillow, or yeah, yeah. whatever. And exactly. Or that part of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's really effective. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting when you start to parse out those different parts of ourselves and actually put it into tangible, tactile models.
1: hmm. Yeah, had a therapist years ago who started definitely was doing that work with me, putting my dad in the chair, putting my mom in the chair. Yeah.
2: You can also put money in the chair with your relationship with that <laughs> right. dynamic, you know. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Have you guys in court? I mean, it sounds like you obviously have incorporated that into sexuality and coming into comfort with one's you know, releasing shame.
2: I think a big part of it for us is both of us have a theatrical background. Mm. I did a project in college called Transformational Theater that was like that. It was like theater drama. And uh, we just both love making, I think theater then allows it to be play Mm -hmm. even more so and and take some of that, but it can allow us to go deep. I did years
1: of experimental theater, Grotowski work. And so you're adopting these masks and you're really expanding your emotional dynamic range inside of a container where it doesn't have meaning, right? So it's a it's a game. So you get that freedom to, again, be putting on these masks. So I think we both have, like you said, we both have a freedom with it where for a lot of people, it's a big thing to even just step a little bit out of the identity and, and adopt some other way of
0: being. What's present to use New Age language for you guys now with your own levels of shame or insecurity or... And like where are you all at in the work? Because I think it's an interesting thing in like podcast land or Instagram land or whatever. Like we all want this this static moment. This image is like a statue of like, well, like I was always perfect in every one of those static moments. But then when we look back, it's like, oh my God, I was so What a mess. What a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to have that reference point of like, okay, like where am I at from looking at myself from the future? Like I
1: think the most succinct equation here for us currently is it's remembering and forgetting. Am I in a? Pl- am I remembering who I am, the truth of me, that I am this consciousness, that I am perfection, could be a triggering phrase, but I am God. I am consciousness itself. That's the remembering state. And then life, the game, the infinite game is constantly pulling. It's a game we've agreed to play, which pulls us towards forgetting, where an incident happens or a stress occurs and all of a sudden, there's an opportunity for those triggers, those things to come flooding back in. And all of a sudden I'm at the whim of the anger or the frustration or the cortisol, but there's always the opportunity to shift back into the remembering. So the shame is, it's all transitory, like floating clouds in the sky. The shame of course can come in. I'm not free from it. There's moments around my sexuality where I'm still like, oh. but it's it's like a nervous system habit that becomes less and less and less. And the muscle gets more and more trained to be in the state of remembering and found some very effective tools to, to do that, which aren't like deep processes. It's not like I've got to go in and now do 10 months of therapy or even go do a medicine session to find myself in a place of remembering. I've found those things. Sometimes it's simply just a shift. It's like turning on the light switch in the room. Like, oh, I went into darkness. What do I have to do? How do I have to shift my Tell perception? them you're
2: your one breath to rule them all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Cuz
2: that's one of your that's kind one of hacks my key, right that's my now. key
0: hack. So, I know I really love the term remember mm-hmm. cuz it's it's the same as to to integrate yeah Mm -hmm.
1: but the taking the members members. i
0: feel dispersed and you know disconnected and isolated and it's like oh let's just remember
1: remember that put it all back together it's all
0: physical therapy it's all you know it's olympic weightlifting it's Mm. like it's like to integrate the parts allows the potential to for the body to produce yeah power and ease and ease and flow and and grace right longevity But yeah. If it's a dismembered body, then it's gonna you know lead to to conflict and friction and inflammation, and
1: injury and harm and mm-hmm. all that stuff.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: So the the breath of pleasure—that's what I call it. It's also called the release breath. It's also called the vagus nerve breath. And it was, from my understanding of it, I need to do more reading and back into the research. But I was trained by a friend and mentor of ours, Doc John, who. Came across this breath to really allow people to drop in and get very present. It's tricky. It's very, it's counterintuitive. But once you get it, you can do one of these breaths, a single breath and rewire the hormonal cascade that's happening in your body from cortisol and move it into oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin. It was discovered by, they were doing high altitude training for runners. And they were trying to find all these, they were playing with all these different breaths to be like, how do we get the better stamina? How do we improve running times? And so they're trying all these breaths and they've got the runners all hooked up with all the stuff to find out what's going on in their system. And they tried this breath and it didn't do anything to affect their performance. But what they realized was it takes the vagus nerve pathway and immediately takes all the serotonin, oxytocin, all this sort of stuff using the vagus nerve to bypass the blood brain barrier. And wash the brain in oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine, and instantly reverse uh, like a cortisol loop. And the, it's a it's, um, paradoxical breath. So we can just try it. Cool.
2: Anyone who's listening, it took me a year to get this breath. Ian got it in one try.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't
2: feel bad if you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah.
1: So the idea here is to do an in-breath, inhale through the nose on a count of five or more. And at the top of the in-breath, don't exhale, but don't hold your breath. So this is the paradox. And I, I have a few tricks coaching people through this. So you can try it at home. Letting your belly soften. Letting your spine become soft, but erect. And the extension of the inhale, it's basically... You're allowing your breath, your, your body to absorb more of the usable prana, chi energy available in the breath. And if you're playing with this breath at the top of that inhale, you could, if you're like, I don't understand how to hold my, not hold my breath and not exhale and hold your breath for just a moment at the top of that extended inhale and then kind of take the cap off the top of the bottle without letting your lungs collapse or without pushing the air out letting your jaw soften, your tongue soften. You can leave your mouth open. You could even hinge your neck just slightly, tipping your head back just a little bit, not to create a break in your esophagus, but just to leave the channel open. And oxygen heats up as you breathe in. So air will come out. It will escape through your mouth and through your nose. And you're, it's, it's like you're pausing at the top of the inhale. And then the other image that I've used for people, because a lot of people have a hard time getting, understanding this breath, that's been very successful, is imagine your diaphragm, this whole cavity of your upper torso, like a hydraulic. And you know when you extend a hydraulic and there's a little bit of weight on the hydraulic, it doesn't collapse, it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't... (laughs) But it slowly, so there is a little bit of a muscular tension without holding your breath. The top of that hydraulic pull of the diaphragm opening, bring oxygen into your lungs, release. And you will notice that your stomach comes in, your chest depresses a little, but it doesn't collapse. And in the pause, you're simply waiting. You're, you're simply in a place of, oh, well, when does my body need the next breath? And sometimes you'll get a fight or flight experience. So if you're having a little, ex- little bit of panic, I recommend one of two things. Either just exhale normally and begin again. And you can extend that inhale to longer than five, six, seven, eight counts. And imagine your body and your lungs as if they're what they are in truth, a porous balloon, and they don't, the inhale doesn't stop at the end of your cilia, at the end of the the capacity of your lungs, but imagine it as if the oxygen is pushing out, being absorbed and exhaling through your legs, through your arms through your neck, through your back. You're increasing your capacity to use more of the breath. And the other trick is at the top of that inhale is if you're, you're not going for capacity breath, you're not taking an inhale to a hundred percent. So if you feel that panic, another thing that you can do is just take a few more sips of air let your body know, Oh, I can breathe. It's okay. And what you don't want to do is have your body go into that fight flight and go into tension and more cortisol.
0: Cool. You feel like what did, what experience did you have? Wow. Well, <clears throat> there's, there's a bunch of parts of it that I found to be really interesting um, my experience was uh, just one of ease you know, feeling just like kind of like chunking down and feeling more comfortable, more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, the part of it that I, I think is interesting is I feel like, you know, our breath, you know, every yogi or spiritual teacher or martial artist or whatever. So it's like the, you know, the breaths, the governor of everything, mm-hmm. you know, Bikram says the the King of the nervous system, I think. Mm-hmm. It was like everyone's, everyone's had some iteration of the breath is like the role over the whole situation, or at least integrated to the whole situation is really actually more, more, more true. Um, but that sensation of breathing in and holding and clenching, I think that's to be able to go to a point of being able to have ease and not like trying to muscle the breath, mm-hmm. but coming into awareness of just you can effortlessly just breathed almost yeah right like you don't need to do it there's mm-hmm. nothing to do mm-hmm. that was the kind of thing that was coming up for me Is it like it's like an actual mechanical practice of getting out of the doing i guess you yeah guess you yeah mean.
1: right and it can start to cycle into a thing where it feels like it's nothing but an inhale it's an inhale with a pause and i call it the cookie like when you get the breath you typically you'll have that feeling of the switch of the hormonal cascade to one of pleasure hormones
2: you get well, like a little oxytocin rush like at the a top hood of your head.
1: yeah some people describe it as a warm hood that kind of washes over the top of their head mm. and um one reason why it's a, a main practice for me to come back into that state of remembering is it allows me to to drop into diffuse awareness yeah. so um, and it's beautiful because if I'm in a conflict, I've got a little edge with Jaya, or I'm in, I'm tense about something that is going on in work, or any at any moment, any time I can be doing this breath. Nobody knows. It's like I'm not announcing, or I'm not going into my meditation circle to relax myself. I'm just changing my breath, and conflict occurs to me as a contraction of energy, where all of a sudden we get focused on something that needs to be resolved, and then. Uh, resourcefulness and sort of being able to tap into all of the strands of potentialities that exist around us all the time becomes limiting and I'm stuck in this this myopic like oh this thing that's bug- bugging me and all the things that are in my life becomes that conflict in that moment yeah. but the breath allows me to move into I now feel the sunlight I now feel the energies in the room I now have a ease where I'm not tracking into the other person's or people's or situations cortisol or, you know, anxiety, but I can feel all that. But I also have all of this other access to all of the things around me that then allows me to be resourceful, listen more deeply, be connected to my own. This is what's going on for me, what I I need at this moment, or to be completely in the service of the person there without having to manipulate, or turn myself into the pretzel, or try and figure out the solution. And so many times in, you know, working with couples, they have this contracted experience. The moment they get into an argument, they're trying to solve it or be right or fix it or manipulate so that their nervous system can relax. But if we can come from a place of relaxation, then we can actually get to the root of what, what is going on? What do you need? What do I need? And how do we find a place without compromise to come up with creative solutions that serve us both and serve the third entity of the relationship without giving over ourselves or turning ourselves into that pretzel.
0: want to take a moment and thank Eaton Hemp for supporting my diet and also this podcast. Eaton Hemp's hemp seeds are my favorite go-to protein packed snack that I will add onto my salads. I'll add it into my smoothies. It's a beautiful way to add texture and also a great way to integrate vital vitamins, minerals, and a whole protein. So it is a complete protein. You're getting all the essential amino acids, which you do not get in most plant-based foods. So this is a beautiful way especially if you are a plant-based eater to integrate complete proteins into your diet they have various different delicious flavors they also have cbd oil everything is the best sourcing you get in a cbd product and the hemp seeds are all organic it is all fair trade it is the stuff that you want and you can jump over to eatenhemp.com align Get yourself a sweet discount on your own hemp seeds or CBD oil. So jump over to Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, hemp, dot com forward slash align for a discount. And they also have a 30-day money back guarantee. So if this stuff does not improve your life, you do not think it tastes delicious, it's anything less than what you expected, it doesn't go beyond your expectations even, then return it. You got nothing to lose. You get a discount over at EatonHemp.com slash align. I need to correct, I referenced Bikram, which I would not reference Bikram, it was Iyengar. Ah, Iyengar, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Bikram's kind of a a nutty, interesting, probably genius in a lot of ways, but also not something that I would would do a lot of of quotes from. I think that something that happens that I, I witness oftentimes, again, in like the New Age communities, are people that often are very sensitive, but very ungrounded. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, like what you're describing is a really beautiful tool for someone that does feel like they're just kind of like dust in the wind mm-hmm. and they're very empathetic, which is a beautiful gift, but they're also kind of a complete mess mm-hmm. because they're picking up and they go, like, Oh, I can't, Oh, I, I can't go to a football game. It's just too much energy. I'm like, you can, you know, perhaps, may, perhaps if, if there's maybe not you, I can't speak for anybody else, but my feeling is that a, a person could become resourced enough that they're not just at the whim of mm-hmm. the personalities and the energies and whatever it may be.
2: We call that energetic shadow and the blueprints. So somebody who's in the energetic shadow is they're just so hypersensitive that they lose function. You know, they lose the ability to be touched. They lose, the I can't go The ability outside. in crowds
1: or restaurants. I mean, they or... used to be like that. They used no.
2: to be so hypersensitive going to a party um, yeah. and having conversations oh with people is <laughs> like worse. Like,
0: worst but even a, even a person so I think it's interesting to have you know to speak about the the individuals that are, are really polarized you mm-hmm. know because it's like oh wow like that's but most people are, are kind of a little bit more gray and a little bit more neutral you know and so I think that it's like you'd be like oh well, like that person can't go to a, a stadium you know mm-hmm. and, you know whatever mm-hmm. that's not me but I think that the, the same we're all canaries in the coal mines for different stuff yep you know so it's like well you might go to a dinner thing or a meeting or have a phone call Mm. and get off of the call and feel icky Mm. and it's like, Oh, Oh, every time I talk to my, whoever, family member, probably, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I just feel like, Oh, it's Mm. like, okay, like, boom. Like there's an example where there was probably, you know, an opportunity there to, to be more resourced and more grounded and more centered and more, you know, maybe unattached during that exchange. And if we can, do that with regularity, then we'll probably have, you know, like a cleaner, a cleaner slate throughout. Much more easeful. And not be pouring somebody else's shit into somebody else's shit. Yeah, so yeah. we have just like this mishmash. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a really beautiful tool. Mm. Thank I
1: you think. for letting me share it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, it's a, it's a, <laughs> I'm like a huge advocate for it. I, I just, when people get it, it's just such a, they have, they start having a very different experience because it's such an easy tool. I'm not a disciplined person to go around doing you know, six hours, of even half an hour of meditation. Yeah. So I'm always looking for <laughs> the hacks that get me that result with super ease. Yeah. It's one
2: of the things I love about Ian is I'll spend all this time prepping and, you know, I'm like the six hour meditator and I'll sit, I have the discipline. Every day I'll do my thing mm-hmm. on, I used to have a spreadsheet with 73 things I would do every wow. day on it yeah
0: it not, little, obsessive not obsessive not
2: obsessive not at all, <laughs> not at
0: all. <laughs> no. which i don't know if that would be defined as obsessive compulsive is that it could be it's overly like extremely is like disciplined
2: it's
1: super a plus type personality
2: yeah, it's super a plus yeah. i had like 10 pluses after the a <laughs> right. so do
0: you feel like you've come to a place where you can kind of just throw oh, paint at the I, wall and, now you i know, just show up be...
2: don't need to do any
0: great anything do you think it would have been possible without the assistance of mdma
2: no i do not
0: interesting yeah and, not for me for you.
2: Yeah. yeah, and you'll say yeah, that you
1: will say at the same time that it's it, when the experience first happened for you there was the belief that this would be the experience for everybody
2: oh yeah it was a super like zealot right it was just like oh my god everyone needs to do this oh, this sure. is the most things it's oh it's very common <laughs> no. with psychic yeah yeah and then you know, I've learned I've and that's,
0: that's like bad or good, but it's a fairy to have that you feel like you've kind of come across some secret sauce. The totally. whole grail yeah. of all mm-hmm. things. Yeah. 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 Which can be a big turnoff. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And can lead yeah. to a whole New stadium of ego. Totally. Where suddenly, I have access to God. Right. I'm gonna, you know, now I'm the prophet. I'm gonna bring this to you, and it's yeah. like, well, mm-hmm. you might be even more lost than the beginning. Yes. Right <laughs> now, I just have a
2: spiritual, <laughs> spiritual ego. You know yeah. that, that whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, and yeah. which again comes back to come back to where the hell are we? Like coming it back into like an objective truth of what's going on. Yeah. I was talking with this Tamar before. She's the dog trainer of various different, you know celebrity the star doctor to the stars mm-hmm. and we were talking about i think just a very similar thing like identifying like what is objective truth and how sovereign are we really really mm-hmm. you know like who's in control of this thing nobody right. <laughs> <laughs> giving over or, and surrender or is it
2: just happening like there isn't like anything in control of it it's just what's happening yeah
0: it's this what's appearing and to come into a place of being able to surrender to that Mm. like i've had this experience since we're talking about psychedelics i've had this experience of having really feeling which i think psychedelics are kind of like a microcosm for what's happening in our mental emotional you know experience throughout the day anyway it's just all magnified you know Mm. times like a thousand to that one point But I've had that experience before where I'm feeling like very contracted, afraid, like, you know, trying to like fight the mushroom or fight the, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the ayahuasca or whatever it is, um, which is, you know, not wise. No, you you have have to surrender. (laughs) You're never going to beat the mushroom. Um, and then coming into a place of, of, you know, eventually just realizing like, okay, like my only option here really is to surrender. And if it has to kill me or whatever right. it is, then, then then so be it. Like yeah, that mm-hmm. my only option is to surrender. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in my experience, and this has happened multiple, multiple times, it's kind of same, same recipe. The other side of that is just this like, oh, and like information. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you get like, again, more new age, like downloads. Yeah, you, yeah, know, right. like, you know, it's like, you it feels like, oh, I've, I finally stepped out of the way of trying to control the situation. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this information can just move through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like there's the opportunity to, to integrate some of those, those same lessons that we might get from those experiences into our, our lives. And yeah. suddenly life doesn't become such like, you don't have to wrestle the mushroom or right. like wrestle your life. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good analogy. You don't have to wrestle your life. Anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely right. find that even, you
1: know, we've, we're always in pretty, find ourselves in intense situations, um, just because of the work we do, because of whatever, like trying to expand a business, all of yeah, this stuff. Yeah, having a
2: show on Netflix. Having That's a show on Netflix. Intense. <laughs> <A lot of laughs> Running around doing all this media. Intense
1: and, situations. Yeah. And I don't feel nearly at the, I'm not buffered, I'm not batted around by the changing situations as much anymore. Like I used to really get into high states of tension and meaning making of how important everything was. And now there's just a more of a gentle ease. Even if the situation, I mean, I'm not saying like I'm
2: free from total freakouts. Right now, I feel like, you know, with the show coming out, it's like, gosh, I just stepped back into the matrix. Like, what is this world yep. that I'm in all of a sudden? And I I willingly am going into that because I think that there's an important message around pleasure and our healing and sexuality that we as a culture are ready to have the conversation. And that's something that I've always dreamed about. It's kind of like been my Dharma has been.
1: And part of the matrix aspect and stepping back in is realizing how unwilling the society is still to have that conversation.
0: What do you think the purpose of shame with our sexuality is? Where do you think that comes from? What's the function of it? Does it serve some role in society or is it just, Poison.
2: I think sometimes the shame can be a little bit of a turn on for some people. I mean, sometimes there's that, like, it's a kink, you know, it's like not in a bad, I don't think in a bad way necessarily, unless it's super unconscious.
1: But I think even that to some degree could be tied into uh, colonialization colonialization of, yeah. of the mind, of the spirit.
2: Yeah, is that a masking that that is a turn on? Yeah. Question. And there's nothing wrong with anybody who has those turn ons, you know. No. I don't want anybody no. To feel I mean, I'm,
1: to- I'm totally kinky, Anna, but I've inherited. You're, you're a super <laughs> I'm kinky. I'm a super kink. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I've inherited certain things that I, I don't think would have necessarily been there without the cultural soup that I was born into. And so the control, I think shame, I think the institutionalization of shame around sexuality was a mechanism of control, and it's literally written about in some of the religious doctrines. Once you control somebody's sexuality, you control how they behave and and the ways that they operate with each other, and it was used as a tool to undercut the pagan earth rituals to take people into, you know, getting on a soapbox here, (laughs) the whole thing of like, you know, um, the, the Christianity and the Roman Catholic Church and being able to subjugate people to a belief that the God is separate from you. You had to extract them from this connection to the body, connection to the earth, connection to fertility and pleasure. And there's many examples of polyamorous cultures before we started to move into the very westernized idea of what relationship or sex means.
2: is a celebration of life, you know, we we have fertility rituals, we have these ceremonies and celebrations, mm-hmm. and Dionysus, Dionysus, <laughs> like this the guy over here, you e- should e- see him, he's, he's, a, Dionysus he, he's guy. a Dionysus guy.
1: <laughs> 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 I always forget the names, the the rituals in Greece, the Ilusian Eleus, or something, Eleus, Eleus, yeah. It was mixing, you know, psychedelics, and the women would all go up to the hill to celebrate with Dionysus. And the, it was like a bacchanalian pleasure fest, right? So sex and pleasure and, and,
2: that was a you're gonna have to call this episode like sex and drugs <laughs> we have to do some rock and roll in here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've been saying like pleasure sacraments and yeah. something or else uh, i'm trying to change it from sex uh, drugs and rock and roll I know. you know sometimes you just gotta say sex drugs, sex, rock, drugs rock, and roll. Roll. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that that a lot of the like tantra and you know bacchanal and all that stuff i feel like a lot of like or, or the you know deeply experiencing pleasure i feel like our minds maybe because maybe western culture in large part of our minds are, are still very nascent around sexuality or immature around sexuality i feel like sexuality and death
2: yeah seems like two places yeah kind of oh my like- gosh did you see the show midnight gospel Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! It's the the end of it is so beautiful. There's these I don't want to give away too much, but in case people haven't watched it, but there's two episodes on death at the end that really opened my mind to this conversation around death. And I was like, can I just start talking about orgasm and death? Like we have orgasmic birth, but what about orgasmic death? Mm-hmm. And just really shifting this whole way that we view death as this thing where we want to avoid and not talk about and that we want to hide and make clean and pristine. And there's this whole industry around death. And yeah. it, it, I was just like, whoa. So what if our death could be this orgasmic thing? Ram Das again yeah. says... Sitting with
0: dying people. You
2: know, this this piece of death is just... He says, his friend says, it's perfectly safe. It's just yeah, the untying safe. of a tight shoe.
0: Yeah, taking off a tight shoe. Yeah, yeah. I
2: love that. Mm-hmm. Or there's another, I think it's Tagore, Rabindranath Tagore says death is just... Putting out the light because the dawn has come.
0: Mm. Mm. I
2: love that one. Turning off the light, turning off the lamp because the dawn has
0: come. Mm-hmm. It'd be an interesting world to live in if the fear or contraction or resistance around death, or maybe transitioning out of your body, might be another mm-hmm. you know way to way to say death. Because yeah, idea mm. of death, it's like I don't know. I don't know what death means exactly, but you certainly transition out of this body. Yeah, you know for sure. And mm-hmm.
2: possibly this persona. Mm-hmm. That there was yeah, the a big. Preso-
0: you put the mask down yeah it gets recycled and you know repurposed mm-hmm. and then you know probably some other whatever picks comes, it up you know? yeah, <laughs> exactly. puts it on yeah that's the only thing we know for sure is the mass definitely falls away yeah yeah mm-hmm. transitions but mm-hmm. it, i wonder it, it it'd be an interesting world i wonder what that what it would look like to be in a place where you haven't at some point been indoctrinated with the idea that that transition is something to resist
1: letting go of that indoctrination yeah 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 well, I mean, you hear the story. I have not sat with a dying. You've been, you know, working. I'm with very interested in the dying, but you, just the stories of people. I in like transition. sitting with people as
2: they're dying before they die well like the ego death die before you die die before you die well i don't know even ego death it's because i love the quote by alan watts He's like the biggest ego trip is trying to get rid of the ego right right but when it happens magically when
1: somebody loses the masks they're not trying to kill the ego that's such an egoic thing to do (laughs) (laughs) but but if you can let go of the masks
0: what like was that, that. Poof. <laughs> I didn't <know> that
1: was. <laughs> <laughs> then then there's free that's freedom. And but trying to kill the masks, that's just another mask. But the, the, the this, you know, sitting with the dying, so, so many of the stories I've heard, Ram Das being one of them, is like the room fills with light. There's a transitional moment where that last breath happens and it's it's alive. I mean it's beauty. It's there's nothing to fear.
0: Yeah. We gotta wrap up. On that, on that <laughs> note on, of death.
2: death. <laughs> <laughs> this, orgasmic no, this death. This is sex, orgasms, and death. Wow. So sex, drugs, and death. I think they're all tied
0: together. Hmm? I think they're all tied together. I think they are. Like
2: every, everything is Le petit orgasmic. More.
1: Le petit yeah, little death. The little death yeah. is an orgasm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, sex, sex could be... I think like so many things, like dance could be a, a medium to tap into a deeper aspect of yourself or maybe like truth. Mm-hmm. You know, like get into that the free soul, you know, mm. Bukowski back to back to that. You know, or maybe improvisation could be, or maybe business is your thing, or sexuality. Mm-hmm. There are many you, paths. We so just have a bunch of opportunities. Totally. Well yeah. dance, you know, I mean relationship like... with your dog. Mm, sure. <laughs> you know, all all of it is just like, Oh cool, an opportunity. An mm. opportunity. Everything sex is just one of those ones that we have we could come from a culture where sex is easy we could come from bonobo culture totally it's like oh sex let's, let's do it, just let's do it. <laughs> yeah. like, like no problem no problem We never got that download that sex is weird shameful uncomfortable dirty like we just never got it yeah and that wouldn't <sighs> be a better or worse world per se it would, be, it would just be a different world it might be a much less kinky world Maybe. You know, Maybe. so, Ian, you might be like, ah, like, I'm not really into that world. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like it the way it is. <laughs> more, you know, more Catholicism.
1: Well, I mean, that's the sex, at, <laughs> the sex at dawn thing is like, Chris what's Ryan. Christopher True. Ryan? is like, what's the container that we're all born into? Mm-hmm. We're more connected genetically to the bonobo than we are the chimpanzee, but it's still referred to as the chimpanzee as our closest relative, and the chimpanzee is violent. Mm. The bonobo lives in a peaceful environment. But are we a creation of our environment, religious upbringing, all of the things that make us hold on to these identities around sex and shame? Or are we, if the environment was completely different, would we be in the bonobo culture?
2: Let's just dance with it all.
0: The dance. Do you guys, in the Netflix series, is this, how different was this conversation to the series? The one that we just, the conversation we just had? Yeah. Um, Very different. Yeah, we
2: didn't talk about psychedelics or poop. (laughs) (laughs) no i'm much more you know i'm the expert so it's much more about the other people that i'm working with and their process and their discovery of who they are as erotic beings and unlocking the things that have had them brace or step into a certain identity so it is it's similar it is similar You're, you're seeing it visually how these couples fall in love with themselves and fall in love with each other as they let go of those things
0: do you think there's any secret sauce to falling in love with yourself with oneself or falling in love with each other for that matter secret I think, sauce. I think
2: everyone has their own path. I think life is the secret sauce. Eventually, you're going to come to understanding who you are and hopefully in this lifetime. Death
1: might be the moment. Death might the be the orgasmic moment. moment where you actually realize who and what you are. Yeah. And that's that's just what it is. This is what it is. And for the lucky few, I think it's the opportunity to the, like you're talking about in the moment with the dog, with the whatever the thing is. With the sunlight coming, coming the sunlight. through the window. I mean, yeah. That's what's happening. Remembering, forgetting, remembering, forgetting.
0: I like the idea that we have lots of lifetimes. Again, this is all narrative stories, you yeah. know, whatever. We don't know if it's true. Right? Well,
2: <laughs> let's make up a compelling story while we're at it. <laughs> you
0: know, but like this life is just like a little drop in the bucket. No, totally. You know, and we're so attached to that drop. But if you saw... You know, thousands all of the drops and thousands of drops and like raining mm-hmm. if it was raining mm-hmm. you looked outside you wouldn't be like the drop like you wouldn't be so <laughs> attached to that drop <laughs> you know, but you I also maybe you know you see the whole world in that drop and you love it and value it and you see god in that drop and, and mm-hmm. that drop oh, is such drop. a gift such yeah. a gift yeah. Yeah. so it's that it's that 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 balance of you know seeing god in the drop but also not being you know obsessed with the drop
2: i love Pulling being a Jaya. the
0: drop. Yeah, I love, I love being, being a Indian. Jaya
2: drop. I love being an like drop. Yeah, interacting a with your persona. drop. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I said this is a great persona. It's working. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. This persona's happening. I got really lucky with this one. Yeah, I I did too. Yeah.
2: I love it. And yeah. being an Aaron.
0: We're out here. Looks pretty funky. <laughs> Looks pretty cool. We're, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well cool. I so greatly appreciate getting to have these conversations with you guys yeah mm. we this would. is the first yeah. i've had to, got to have a three-way yeah, yeah. we had a threesome we way. didn't threesome. do it in bed though that's i know, yeah. I know. That's, that's what's up
2: with that we did it on the table this time around the
0: table where's the best place for people to go i mean obviously go check out the netflix series sex yep. love and goop sex love and Goop on netflix that's
1: right and then jayalove.com is the main website and we didn't even talk about the blueprint quiz or any of that stuff but you can go to can
0: talk about it if you want
1: yeah i mean we talk about it so much <laughs> 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 relief to to not talk about it but yeah. it is one of the great things of like finding out
2: more that, of who you are more of who you
1: are and and that like it's interesting because all of these personality typing systems they aren't the truth so people will then Take on an identity. Like we've got the five types. We've got energetic, sensual, kinky, sexual, and shapeshifter. People might take that quiz and be like, oh, I came out as kinky. And now they've got this identity.
2: But what it just shows you is where you're limited in your sexuality, actually. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So
1: if I'm kinky and I rate high in that and I rate low in sexual or sensual or any other ones. And again,
2: not that anybody's bad, wrong, or broken in that. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm more energetic and that's how I'm wired. And now I know myself and I can own that. And, and then owning that allows us to step into new territory and live it
1: yeah and you just said uh, you'll your partners are very likely going to be a different version different soup of the different blueprint types it just provides a language to then be able to find it to to bridge the mismatch gap
2: and talk more about sex with talk other. more about sex yeah and, so that's eroticbreakthrough.com if people want to go take that quiz
0: yeah it's such an interesting thing that we are getting to know ourselves as we're manifesting ourselves <laughs> you know, yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. W- w- we have- <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anything else? We wrap this wrap this piece up. I
2: think we're good. You have anything <laughs> else you yeah, want to toss good. in there? Feels good. Give people toss yeah. in the bucket. Toss mm-hmm.
0: it in another drop (laughs) (laughs) another drop (laughs) well thank you guys so much thank you thank you appreciate you making the time especially during your hectic busyness of what's going on busy is kind of a shit word but you have a lot going on right now so (laughs) i appreciate you making time to do it thank you our pleasure
1: our pleasure deep gratitude thank you so much
0: absolutely all right Mm -hmm. that's it that's all over now Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Once again, I want to thank you so much for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. I want to thank specifically Chelsmo for leaving her review. Thank you, Aaron, for blessing my life with this amazing podcast. Reach out to us at Align Podcast on Instagram and we'll get you a prize from our sponsors. And we will be doing this each week. So if you leave us a review on the podcast, I will read a review. And then I will send you out some sweet products from our sponsors. And I just so greatly appreciate you guys supporting. I appreciate you sharing this podcast. I appreciate you implementing the information from this into your lives. And that's it. That's all. Thanks for the views. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for doing you. And uh, I'll see you next week.